0: everyone what is up welcome back to another episode of lead singer syndrome i have some amazing news it's finally april (laughs) can you believe this month it was it blew my mind when i looked back at you know I don't know. I was filing some receipts or something. Like that's how bored I am. I'm I'm taking a lot of time filing receipts. That's that's exciting for me now. And I was looking back at the first day of our now postponed tour which was on February 28th um the well this year the second last day of February realizing that was only a month ago. It feels like a year. Wow. I mean, hey, here's to a better April. Then March has been. I hope everyone is hanging in there, okay. Um, you know, stand safe, uh, practicing your social distancing, doing all the things that you know they're telling us to do. Um, I'm up here in Canada, uh, Windsor, Ontario. Actually, that's that's where I call home these days. Um, we went from. Like nine cases to now thirty five cases in uh, just a few days, so people around here are starting to freak out a little bit, and I think that that maybe is a good thing because uh, you know I've been out and about a little bit as little as possible, but I uh, I almost had a panic attack at Walmart the other day when I saw people just literally hanging out in the bread aisle, like hey sure just. Let's just have a huge conversation amongst, like, I'm not even kidding, it was like nine or ten people just hanging out kibitzing, uh, not six feet away from each other, in the bread aisle. I was like, this is pretty weird. I'm here to get my Miller High Life beer and uh, get out of here. That's what I'm here to do. So uh, anyway, that's just me. Um, Otherwise, I'm hanging in there okay. A little bit of news for people tuning in. I'm going to be doing a live stream concert, I, I guess, uh, for my living room, I'm going to be playing a bunch of Silverstein songs, uh, on Sunday. So I think it's geez, April 5th. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm getting very, very bad with the days at this point. I mean, who isn't right? Like every day is pretty much exactly the same, uh, for me, but, uh, it will be on Sunday, which is the fifth. I was right. So, um, Tune in. It's going to be on Silverstein's Facebook page. So if you're still on Facebook, which you probably are, you probably could dig up that old, you know, password, reactivate that account, do what you got to do. Come hang out. It's going to be at 4 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. Pacific. If you're in Europe, that translates to like 10 p.m. Sunday. So yeah, tune in. I'm going to be playing uh, a a decent set on there. Um, I've done a couple live streams actually for the... All Access Club, I'll talk about that in just a second. But yes, Sunday, 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 tune in. I'll be playing some tunes over on the Silverstein Facebook page. Yes, I have done some live streams for the All Access Club. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, this is kind of like the podcast fan club for people that love the show, that want to give back, that want to help me keep this thing going Every single week for free, even amongst a global pandemic. That's right. I'm still doing it and it will always be free, not to worry. But if you're still working, if you've got a couple extra bucks kicking around, maybe because you're not going out to eat or spending any money, um, I'm out of work, but I do find myself pretty much sitting around the house, um, you know, not ever spending money. So I guess it kind of works out anyway. Check it out, com slash all access for as little as $6 a month. It gets you in, it gets you access to a whole bunch of bonus episodes. Maybe you've listened to all of them. Um, I know my friend Billy from Silverstein's watched seven Star Wars movies in the last few days. So, I mean, if you can watch seven of those in a row, you probably listen to a lot of podcast episodes if you want to. So if you need more, I got more it's all available there not to mention access to a great community of other fans of the show and you'll make some friends for sure we do center meetups all over the world center that's what i call the members of the all access club uh the meetups probably will be postponed (laughs) for a little while like everything else in the world but don't worry we will be back, of course, and it's awesome. So again, the link is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access Check it out and welcome new members. So many new people have signed up, which is awesome. Love you all, and uh, I'll see you over there on the uh, Facebook group really, really soon. Uh, I I'm, think I'm bored because these intros seem to be getting longer and longer. But hey, um, this week, by the way, we've got a really, really great episode with ronnie winter defoe of the red jumpsuit apparatus a guy that's been heavily requested you've asked for him many many times and i actually don't know ronnie that well well i should say i didn't know him that well and we did a couple emo night shows together and we just hit it off guys awesome bands awesome they got a new tune out which is really really sick too we talk a lot about that and i'll tell you what we don't talk about We don't talk about the coronavirus because at this point, it wasn't a thing yet. So don't worry. If you want to tune out all the shit going on in the world right now, this is a great place to be. So put in your headphones, close your eyes, and listen to me and Ronnie on your stereo. Here it is, my conversation with Ronnie of the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Ronnie, dude, thank you for doing this, man.
1: Are you kidding me, man? It's my honor.
0: Oh man, it's it's uh, you've been requested for a long time by a lot of people, uh, like for years. So I'm glad finally this uh, <laughs> this worked out.
1: Wow, that's nice to hear.
0: So you're you're you told me before we started recording, you're you're in a hotel. You guys, you guys are playing some. You played a show last night, right? Are you heading back? Yeah. A little bit of a break, and then you're hitting the road pretty hard again, right?
1: Yeah. We're doing really good. We just, this is our first little run of 2020. Uh, We had all of January and almost all of February off. And then we just started this new run. We did two nights in Denver, then Salt Lake, then Vegas. And last night was Reno.
0: Reno. I haven't been to Reno in a while. How's it doing up there?
1: Dude, it's awesome. Like everybody says that. You know, I got a lot of band friends just like you do. Yeah. And, you know, bands talk about, you know, what town is hitting right now, what's not. But like the last few times we've, Reno is banged hard. Like awesome. there's a definite scene you guys would crush here.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I know the Sacramento scene and the Reno scene are kind of, you know, they're not too far away. A lot of the same yeah. kind of, kind of people and, and Sacramento is, is amazing. But the problem I always found with Reno was just, there just wasn't enough venues, you know, there there was yeah. that that's, you know, that was the biggest problem.
1: I think that's always been the problem that they, they open and they close and then they open and they close cause they can't compete with the casinos. Right. You know, yeah but this uh <clears throat> this place we played specifically last night is not the same place we played before. Virginia Street uh, brew house was pretty sweet. cool you would like it. Cool six stage, good sound good turnout
0: Great. that's, that's amazing, man. Well you got a new song uh single released uh, just came out about a month ago a long time ago in a galaxy called LA and uh, you sent me this song and and right away I like wanted to like start a circle pit in my living room. Um, like we're like, your guys are going straight double time, like, you know, SoCal punk, uh, on this track, which I mean, I love it, but I was a little surprised.
2: Yeah.
1: Right on. Good. I like surprising people. Um, (laughs) that's what we're going for. You know how it goes, man. Been in the band so long, just like you guys. Um, I still listen to all that music and I used to say it in interviews all the time. And then it occurred to me, I was like, we haven't really put too many tracks out like that, right. you know, in our discography. We got about three that have t- brushed on this type of production elements, but we tend to do a little bit more of like screamo than the <laughs> old school straight sure. punk, you know? Yeah. So I was like, this time I just want to like, you know, tip the hat to the bands that like are still my favorite bands, like no use for a name. I mean, I'm, I'm still listen to that band almost every day. even though Tony passed away. yeah, And um, I wanted, I just wanted to do something that, you know, tips the hat to a lot of the young kids that they missed that wave of that cool, you know, strung out, you know, no effects. Like there, a lot of those kids don't know about those bands yet. And they're still discovering right now. So I'm literally just trying to help like shed some light on the elders by, by releasing this track.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm wearing a lag wagon hoodie right now. So, you know, you know, I'm down. Uh, but no, Dude, it's it's true. Man. I should have said lag wagon. Dang it! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true though. Um, you know that. You know, we just talk about that fast double time. You know, uh, element. I mean, when I was, I guess like maybe fourteen or something, and I heard like no effects being like the biggest one for me, and I heard that beat. You know that skate punk fast punk beat i was like it changed everything for me like i only wanted to hear music like that for a long time um you know and and obviously you know you you start to you go different ways and meander around but it is true that you don't hear that too much in music anymore um although you know you do hear like the story so far is a contemporary band that does it uh, pierce the veil does it sometimes neck deep does it so it still is out there but i do wonder like your fans specifically when they hear that do they think like this is a fresh idea that you guys came up with <laughs> and they don't know there's an entire scene, um, you know, from, you know, call it 20 years ago, uh, that, that already had perfected it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that is the case. Um, I was asked that a couple of times already this year when the single dropped, you know, how um, the first wave of press interests come in and, um, some of the first interviews one, one was a younger guy and he was asking me about like, you know, the production elements and he was like, Oh, it's so new and fresh sounding. And I was like, well, really all we did was take elements from 18 to 20 years ago and then just put some new cool tones. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, the method, the method is not the same. It's just, <clears throat> I'm just copying the bands that I grew up listening to. We just did it in super cool, brand new fresh tones.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. No, I, I love it. And, uh, and I, <clears throat> I'm, I'm stoked for, you know, whatever you guys are going to do next. Uh, I assume, is this going to be a part of an album or is that going to be a separate kind of thing you're going to work on? it's been yeah, a couple years do. now.
1: <clears throat> we do. Thank you for asking. Um, you didn't make me awkwardly try to bring it up on my own. I appreciate that. <laughs> you're definitely a pro. Um, but um, we got an EP coming out called the Emergency EP. Um, we, you know, like everybody, like, you know, we were going to drop the whole thing on the first day, because that's what's really popular right now. But then we changed our mind last minute just because um, we were really happy. I don't know, like for this particular EP. I know everybody says that about their new music, but it's really special to us because it's the first time our guitar player and drummer really did a lot of the writing on the actual music—not the songs per se, but like right. the physical r- riffing and the and the drums and the way that the you know the progressions move in and out. And then I wrote the songs on top of it, which a lot of times it's the other way around. I just kind of do everything. Yeah. So it's really special to us. We're just kind of slow rolling it out, but it is called the Emergency EP. The first single's out now, and then we're going to do another one or two singles and drop the rest of the EP in June. Okay. Or Ju- maybe even July.
0: Okay, cool. Cool, so it's so it's coming out. And I assume, are you guys putting this out uh, independently again?
1: Yeah, um, it's weird. It's always been weird with me. Um, we've been independent for a decade now yeah I, i've liaisoned through different people um dsps over the years so right now we're still independent but like i'm as we speak i'm still i've been going through negotiations with a couple other distributors so one it, one of them might jump on board because the first single's doing so well you know how it goes when you're unsigned a lot of people all of a sudden care about you when you have a song that has traction sure so like there's some offers on the table for distributors i may Sign a distribution deal, which if there any fans are listening, this is all just boring stuff. All that <laughs> just, There's uh, a logo attached at the bottom of the screen. But what it does mean for the band, it's just a little more promotional dollars and a little more like vis- visibility online. Yeah. It doesn't change much for a band other than the fact that it's supposedly the way it's supposed to work is more people get exposed to your music, but... We haven't had one in ten years, so I don't know if I'll sign it or not, but I wanted sure. to answer your question like as accurately as possible. Well, so well, it, I, it may be on a distributor.
0: I we'll do see. I do appreciate the the in depth answer, Ronnie. You know, I I, I I gotta say though, you know, you guys started out, you know, you guys on a major label. You came out with a bang, you know, I remember Warp Tour, I guess two thousand and six. You know, it's yep. like, hey, they're here, this new band and oh, what's their name? Okay, it's kinda long. And then, like, all of a sudden, it's like everyone knows their, their fucking name. Like, this band is, you know, and it blew up. And it was interesting because at the time, you know, a lot of the bands that were big, you know, doing this kind of music, you called it Screamo earlier, you know, were, like, Taking Back Sunday and, um, you know, Thursday or, or you know, bands that were on independent labels. So you guys had this kind of major label machine behind you, which was different. But it's funny now how you've, you know, been there, done that. And now you're still a very successful band, but on the other spectrum, you know, now being independent and doing it yourself for so long. It's, it's kind of, you've seen it all.
1: Yeah, we have, man. And I appreciate you bringing all that up. And you know what? Like it was really hard for us. A lot of people don't realize that we were young. Mm -hmm. We were in our early, early twenties. And, you know, and I remember like, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned 06, but I remember in 04, you know, when, <clears throat> when broken is easily fixed came out, you know, so yeah. like we were on, you know, 06, like we were just, we had signed to Virgin, but before that we knew about all the bands you already mentioned. We knew about silver student. We knew about Thursday. We knew about everybody that was already doing it and really good at it. But, and we knew that you guys were on, I think it was victory, right? Yeah.
2: Yep.
1: Um, so we went, I went to all the cool labels first, Please know and believe that there's an email <laughs> ch- chains to prove it. We went to Fuel by Ramen. <clears throat> Fueled by Ramen said we were too poppy. I'm like, what? We have screams and breakdowns. Like They're like, no, you're too poppy for Fuel by Ramen. I was like, dang it. That was a huge right. letdown because I love Less Than Jake. And I knew they were involved in that. I was so bummed. Yeah, I mean, they we have follow Boy and
0: Paramore. How are you poppier than that? I don't know anyway.
1: Right? <laughs> I know. I didn't get it at all. I couldn't even believe that response, but it's all good. You know, I'm not the boss. I, I was just really bummed. That's who we wanted. That was our number one choice. We, I think we we tried three times to sign to them with the same music. They heard <laughs> Face Down. They heard Guardian Angel. They passed on it. We were like, ah, oh, that was the first big bummer. So then we tried for Victory. Um, we never got it, You know, we just never got any response back, but victory was just killing it. Then yeah. they had you guys, they had Hawthorne. I mean, they were just like, honestly, in my opinion, like the top dogs, yeah, um, they sure. were out, outpacing a lot of majors and uh, they turned us down. So then we're like, okay, how about Fueled by Ramen? I mean, we tried them all. We went to them. They turned us down. We went to Equal Vision. They turned us down. We tried every label uh, that had the bands that we thought we were cool first. Of course, <laughs> naturally. Yeah, and you know, they all didn't like the name. They all didn't like the name. They thought the songs were cool, but just not for them. Yeah. So we were in this weird limbo phase where it was like, my manager was like, "Dude, I did what you asked me to do. You know, we got all the <clears throat> we got all the nos. We got a bunch of no's. Can I can I try pitching you to to the majors?" I was like, "Why? How are they gonna like us?" You know, sure. I mean, we. You know what I mean? We just tour on the weekends. We also have jobs. Like, there's no... I mean, we did sell out shows in our hometown. And I try to tell kids, own your hometown. Yeah. So, I mean, these a rs would fly out. We had an A&R from... Uh, the other label I really wanted to sign to was Epitaph. They a, uh, sent a guy down. We did so many showcases in our hometown. Big rooms sold out. No support. Just us. So, they knew there was an organic thing happening in Florida anyway. And kind of Atl- the f- Southeast Atlanta, Florida Birmingham, Alabama type of region. That's when we were, where we were really crushing it. Yeah. And yeah. they just didn't commit. So finally it was Capitol man, Capitol records, not Virgin who flew us to LA. We did a showcase, Andy Slater, who was the president stood up at the end of the showcase and said, I want to sign the band. And everybody started clapping.
2: Wow. It was the craziest so moment weird.
1: where like, <laughs> Whoa, Literally we're, we're going to sign the Capitol. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So cool. we were like freaked out because we we're just so used to getting no, you know the, the capital said yes. It was a crazy. It was
0: crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. There was a few of bands like that. You know, I remember when, um, you know, the majors started picking up uh, like thrice, uh, and then Thursday got picked up. Like I think it was Island picked them up. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, Yellow Card, I guess, was on Capital too. I think. Yep. So that yep. you know they, they were kind of picking up these bands, and then that just kind of meant the other labels, the other majors, are like, oh, there's a movement here. There's something going on let's get to the bottom of this. And, you know, and then take back Sunday, got signed to Warner brothers and, you know, and then it all started happening. And I, I, and I mean, you guys were a big part of that, you know, but it's just to to have that kind of success out of the gate with that song that's still crushing it. I mean, I look at your Spotify streams. It's like insane. I mean, not even just that song, that whole album is still still doing so well, you know, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy, right? Because you're so young, you don't know how anything works yet. And you get this <laughs> lightning in the bottle and then you just like, you know, and it's, it's like, I guess you don't know, like, are you like, are we're either going to be either this is it, or we're going to end up being the biggest band in the world, like, or yeah. somewhere in the middle. And you know, it's really a hard thing to know what to do with. Right. I mean, how hey. is that? How was that for you guys? Just, just all of a sudden you wake up and your songs, number one. Cause that's pretty much what yeah. happened.
1: Well, definitely not in our perspective, but I could see how like that would it would appear that way to other people. So mm-hmm. again, so like in oh three, oh four, um, we were playing shows already. So the album didn't come out till oh six. So we were those kids who were in a band that was a local band who was playing shows for years, listening to bands like Silverstein, Thrice, um, The Used, Take It Back Sunday. We were just fans of that of all of those bands, Silverstein who made a band called Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Essentially it was just me and it's always just been me hiring, firing my friends. Like pretty much all of my friends from high school have been in my band for a couple of years. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like we my band is I'm just a fan of all you guys. So like we did a lot of shows, man, for quite a few years before um, we got signed. So it, it definitely wasn't an overnight success as far as like the people who were in the band. But as far as a PR standpoint, right. Because we were we were so underground because we weren't worked by an indie first, and we didn't go through the indie label, um, which is the proper way to do it. The indie indie label kind of building system, you sure. know, through a Victory yeah. or through yeah. Equal Vision, it appeared as though it was overnight because we had never had any press. Uh, you know, <clears throat> we had been literally selling out venues for over a year before we even signed a deal right. to Capital. So, You know, the work was put in, but as far as like the PR angle, which I think is what you were referencing, yes, it was lighting in a bottle. It was like all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, we we weren't used to that, you know, what no. I mean like holy crap, what's no. going on? But it's, you know? you
0: know, it's like but I mean, more more what I'm talking about is just the major label um ability to Push. to break a song whereas Victory they sure they had some big hits over the years, but it took everything they could muster to right. get you know, to get some of those like records to sell gold or sell platinum, you know, um, and they never had songs on the radio, no matter how much hype their bands had, you know. And then you know, you know, you guys are on a major label, and it's like they're just going to do it because they already have those relationships and everything. So it's a huge advantage. But, but, um, the records gone platinum, like, like now too. Um, where do you keep yeah. your plaques?
1: Um. I used to just keep them in the garage in a box, <laughs> um, which I know is like a lot of people think is lame. And then my wife was like, hey, what's this? And I was like, oh, it's my platinum record. She was like, what is this doing in here? So she she dug up my gold and platinum records and put them all up nice. And now they're kind of displayed on each side of an entry tunnel when you after you walk in my front door. And it's really cool. You'll see the gold one on the right and the... Um, the platinum one on the left. And then we have a bunch of uh, we've accumulated quite a bit of uh, actual um, what they call certified billboard number ones, too. So I got 10 of those. So I got plaques for each one of those number ones, too. Um, So, you know, there's some plackage going on now, now that I'm almost 40. I've accepted (laughs) that it's okay to put it on the wall and it doesn't look I'm always so worried about looking like a tool bag, even though I'm not one. You know, try hard not to,
0: you know? Right, right. No, but I,
1: she was right. It's something to be proud of. So it's up now. It's up in display. No,
0: I always like to ask people that question because I, I think it's funny how, you know, a, a lot of people end up having that kind of response, you know, like, oh, I have it in my basement or I hang it like just where I do my, with my guitars or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't know where to
1: put it, you know, it's like once you have it, like, what do I do with this thing?
0: (laughs) Well, the debut record's been out for almost 15 years and we talked a little bit about the streaming numbers, but so, I mean, clearly those songs still resonate with people. People are still finding out about your band. Why do you think that is that you guys, for some reason, you know, you take all the other hit songs of that era Why is it that your music still today seems to be so widely, you know, listened to?
2: Well,
1: I, you know, I like you a lot, Shane. And, um, I like how you run your band and how your band runs its business. And I'm similar in a way to where I'm, I kind of know everything that there is to know, just like you guys. So with that being said, I think I have an answer to that, um, due to my own research from the Intel that we've gathered that yeah. fans can't always get, you know, cause we have access to numbers that they'll never see just like you guys do. And we, you know, we've yeah. mulled over these type of questions and here's what I can deduce only from my band. So this is just, I can only talk about my band and my music and how it's worked out. But when I look at other artists and then I look at ours and I compare and I see, okay, what did we do? The one thing that we have done well, We've made a lot of mistakes. We've, we've had some press snafus. We've had some um, issues um, with you know partying too hard and getting in trouble. Lots of little dumb stuff that bands go through. And mm-hmm. all that was a long yeah. time ago. With that being set aside, one thing that we've always done right is every single record that we've put out after we left Virgin, every one of them, we've had an actual number one radio song in a row. Every wow. one of them. So when we put a new record out and we have another charting single, and sometimes there's been two or three charting singles, um, it brings a new crop in that didn't hear that first album, That then it goes back. Right. So it's, you know, we just did it right. Like we, we tried so many times to try to like maybe re-assimilate back into the system, but any of the label deals that were on the table were so disgustingly terrible compared to the first one that we already <laughs> got away from. Yeah. It was like, whoa, why were we... Like, this is worse. This is worse than the one that we got out of. You know what I mean? Totally. So, like, that's scary. So, we just stayed in the – we are a weird band, man. We have a weird band name and we're a weird band. We started on a major and then we went underground. And we stayed underground for 10 years straight until last year. And that's when I started just using more kind of like, you know – Widely known indie label tactics, so people think that we're like "quote back" per se. We never really went anywhere. We just went super deep in the underground. We literally just only talked to our fan base. We only communicated with our fan base. We made music for our fan base. We didn't do press releases for almost eight years, and still, we consistently had charting singles. So yeah. all these new new fans that we cultivated, you'd be surprised. You would be surprised. I could introduce you to quite a few fans who like our last album and didn't know that we're the same band that put Don't You Fake It Out. They yeah. only know Red Jump Sooner paradise from The Awakening which had one single that was number one on Billboard's Christian Rock Radio which is a charted radio yeah. Uh, yeah. board for three months. We were number one for three months straight. That's hard to do to stay on top that long. A lot of those kids didn't even know we were what they called the Face Down Band. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, that's my theory. We just kept, we just kept putting out we, kept, we just made sure that we at least had one or two singles that chart, charted on a radio chart, not necessarily mainstream or top 40 sure. or active or alternative. We just found one that was more comfortable for us and we started banging out singles and we cultivated this whole different new fan base, which then after they already loved us for the new music, dove back into this awesome classic music. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's
0: really interesting that the whole Christian you know market and you guys you know being a part of that now in a big way. And that's, I mean, that's great, you know, for you guys, and I know you're a man of faith and, and, and all of that side of it too, but it's also really smart business, you know, to be able to, you know, get into that market because so many of those people, they aren't really aware of a scene at all. You know, a lot of them are, are very sheltered, um, whether it's where they live, or whether it's like the, their parents not allowing them to listen to secular music, you know, um, which a lot of people have. So, you know, you being able to be, you know, a, a real band singing about real stuff, um, it's it's easy for people to really latch on to that. So it's, it's I think it's really, really smart approach.
1: Well, ex- and again, like everything you just said is very true, which is exactly why we wanted to be there. So like music is weird, man. You know that. So, like, we already came out mainstream. We were not considered a Christian band. Yeah. But we, always, we had, like, spiritual lyrics, but, like, we weren't, like, what doing what Under Earth was doing, which was, like, huge, you know, Christian festivals and, yes. you know, preaching from the stage. We never did any of that. Like, we were not identified in that scene whatsoever. For, like, a solid 10 years, we had nothing to do with any of that. But we had spiritual lyrics. So the only thing that we started doing is was we, we still never really bought into that system. We never participated the way that – the In Berlin's and um, the under oaths and the other, by the way, I love all those bands. There's not a diss, but they were just doing things that we weren't doing. They were full yeah. blown in the Christian scene, devil wears Prada, you know, like yep. Jesus or death. You know what I mean? But I felt like <laughs> I, I love all those bands and I, and I dig the lyrics. I'm just a lyrics guy. So I'm sitting there reading our lyrics and I'm like, you know what? I don't see why Christian radio wouldn't play some jumpsuit stuff. I mean, I'm not necessarily as, over the top as some of these guys are about it, but I'm, you know, I'm putting some like some spiritual elements in here. So we just tried it. We didn't have a Christian label. We didn't have a Christian PR company. We were not connected in this huge, you know, million dollar Christian music industry. None of them like us, by the way, we're not really (laughs) attached. We just went straight to radio. I found a way to do it. I found a way to submit to just, you know, just to see if it would get played by some program directors. And they love the song. The first try we did was am I the enemy back in 2000. and uh i want to say 14 yeah and um it was a risk man because you know we're not known It was actually scarier trying to do that than it is to say like oh uh, we've aligned ourselves with these people we didn't do it that way we're red jumpsuit we've always done everything oh 2011 and what do you know they played the song so we we couldn't even play they played the song because it was heavy it's called am i the enemy it's got screams it's it's it was produced by john feldman And, um, it's very, just like super punk, um, not as punk as the new single, but like just dialed back a little bit, still super punk breakdowns, 808, heavy screams, they played it and then it went number one. So that was our first charting, uh, Christian rock billboard, number one song. So from that point forward, I just knew at least we had a place that we could submit singles that would get a chance. Yeah. That's it. That's what that would get a chance just to get heard. And those kids who did hear our band some of them who were kind of in the sheltered um, because unfortunately it's the truth, man. You said it. Um, I am a spiritual man, but that does not mean that I'm a religious man. I am not a religious man. I do not adapt to a religion. I don't claim one. I don't push one. I just think spiritual spirituality is cool and that God works for me. So if that's, if it works for you right on, you know, so like, that's how it works for us. We just found an outlet that actually would play our music and the fans that found our band, we led them to you, man. People who found us found Silverstein. People who found us found My Chemical Romance because we were were the ones helping crack that door open saying, hey, you don't have to be a full-blown Christian band to make good music and be good people. We've helped do that over the last, since 2011. And I can't tell you how many fans have come up to me and been like, dude, until your band, I only listened to hardcore Christian music. And then I listened to your band, and it's opened me up into a whole new genre. And I'm so grateful. And I'm like, "Dude, thanks for listening." What else do you say? You know, because there's so many awesome, awesome bands out there that aren't forced to pick a pick a side. You know. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. That's the way we did it.
0: Cool. I just got sent awesome new wireless earbuds from Raycon. I opened the box, opened up my phone, and literally in less than a minute, I was jamming out. To my favorite tunes. What struck me right away. Was how well these fit. And then how amazing they sound. Definitely more bass. Than my other wireless headphones. But the biggest game changer. Is the price. The E25 earbuds they sent me. Start at half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, have six hours of playtime, and really are super comfortable, whether it's music, conference calls, or binging this podcast. And there's no dangling wires or stems to distract other people if you're on a video call. The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Mike Tyson, and Melissa Etheridge are just a few people obsessed with Raycons, whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not the other distractions from the room. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get fifteen percent off your order at buyraycon.com/slash. LSS. That's B U Y R A Y C O N dot com slash LSS for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buy Raycon dot com slash LSS. If you're in tech, you've been there before, feeling the pain of hiring a freelancer or new employee for designer development only to find out months later that it's not a fit. And those types of mistakes aren't cheap. Instead, Mutual Mobile, a digital technology consultancy, uses the process it's developed over the past 10 years, delivering over 600 client projects to ensure your fast and beautiful mobile or web app is finished on time and within budget. Mutual Mobile has built apps for numerous companies that have been acquired, such as Eero, acquired by Amazon, FlexDrive, acquired by Lyft, and MapMyFitness acquired by Under Armour. You get a dedicated team to help you with your tech project from start to finish, from ideation to product shipment to maintenance and everywhere in between. Mutual Mobile designs and builds beautiful mobile and web apps that increase the value of your business. If you have design or development needs, schedule a free thirty-minute consultation at MutualMobile.link/ lss to get started. That's M U T U A L, M O B I L E. dot L I N K slash L S S to get started with your free consultation today. Um, another kind of interesting thing about your band too is, you know, your second album it it well i don't want to call it a flop cuz that's not accurate but what was really interesting i thought was that when your second album came out your first album was still charting in the top 25 <laughs> in fact i know the first album only sold a thousand copies less the first week that your second album came out and that's nearly 3 years after it came out do you think yeah. it, it's it's such a hard thing to navigate right because it's been 3 years you're like we got to put a new album out, but the first album is still doing so well. People are still finding out about it. I feel like that was, must've been a really hard decision between you and Virgin to figure out how to do that and how to put out your second album.
1: Yeah. Well, let's start from the beginning. Um <laughs> As far as being considered a flop or not, always, that's an objective question. So sure, build, it debuted 16 on billboard. Um, so I just don't think that, coincides with the word flop. No. So it had a great deep debut. The um first single um charted, you know, I think it was number one in like 16 different territories and then top 10 and another like 50 territories on rock radio. But it was it was a different format, right? Yes. So face down was punk and Guardian Angel was email. That's from Don't You Fake It. Then when you uh Lonely Road came out, You Better Pray was very Southern Rock, which we are From Florida, which is where Southern rock is happy. So what we did is we made a song because a lot of, we grew up listening to like Leonard Skinner because all those guys live literally in the same town that we live in. Of course, yeah. So when when you're like 16 years old and the drummer from Leonard Skinner's driving in the big bubble truck next to you, you (laughs) think that that's cool. You know what I mean? Because they're from your towns. It's not just them. Molly Hatchet, Leonard Skinner, all of those like dirt rock, Southern rock bands are from right where I grew up. So we just literally wrote a song that was like a a tip of the hat because we're in this punk post-rock, you know, post-hardcore screamo band, but we still all listen to Southern rock. Yeah, And I was like, I was like, guys, we got to have at least one Southern rock for our roots. So it's funny. So everybody says, remember your roots. And then when you put a song out to try to acknowledge your roots, they hate on it. Well, They hate it.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you regret (laughs) going that direction though? Because it really was confusing, I guess, for people that, you know, so many eyes were on you at that moment. It was like, you know, you've got this huge song and this album that's still charting and then it's like okay what's next and people were like what you know what i mean it was like if you could go back and do it again would you have picked a different song
1: no um (laughs) like i said if you really know the story we wrote that song because we thought it was you know some ideas just don't pan out bro right you know we thought people were going to think it was cool that we were trying to give credit to some of these old 70s rock bands that taught all of us young kids how to play music really yeah you know what i mean like so like and it didn't go over fans didn't get it they're like yeah cool whatever we don't care we don't like it and we're like oh okay fine check out the rest of the record and they just didn't you know what i mean like that one single really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way yep. so that's fine that's fine man you know what i mean like we actually didn't pick the single um the uh, head of the a&r at the time listened to the record and he was like He's like, I don't know, man. I just really like this this one. It's different. It's like a modern Guns and Roses, I think, is what he said. And we all got a laugh. (laughs) We all got a laugh out of that. We're like, "Uh, I don't know about that, dude. But you know how label guys are. I I do.
0: I do. Yeah. So
1: we did. I'm not gonna lie. We did trust them as far as them picking the singles. But that's how it goes when you're on a major. You don't have a lot of say. You know what I mean? They They kind of tell you. I've never been on a really great indie. So I don't know how those relationships go. But, you know, when you're signed to a major and you already have a gold record, there's money that's already been spent that you don't even know about. Yeah. So, like, they have, you know, they have some things that, that they make you comply to. So I don't regret it because I know that we were kids just doing what we were told. They yeah. told us that was going to be the single. They told us that was we were going to film a video for that. We were, like, 25, 26. We were still just pumped that people liked our first album. We were yes. just grateful. We were just happy to be a band that got to play with people like Silverstein and Taking Back Sunday. We were just so grateful. We didn't care. We're like, All right, yeah, do whatever you want. You did good with the last record. And, you know, yeah. it didn't work out in our favor. And right. that's okay. Right. You can't have a hit right. every single time, you
0: know? Right. No, no, you're right. I love that. I love that answer. Um, one thing, you know, you talked about, about where you're from, uh, you know, in Florida and, and Leonard Skinner and Jacksonville. One thing that was pretty cool that you got to do was sing the national anthem at a Jaguars game. Yeah, that must that have been a rad. very, very cool experience. I mean, that's a lot of people listening to you, to your voice <laughs> and only your voice. Um, yeah. I always wonder, you know, um, what it feels like to sing a national anthem. I've never sang one.
1: It was it was so it was scary, man. Like, <laughs> you know how it is. I, I, I've uh, I've been a fan of you guys for a long time, man. And uh, I've seen you play many times in, in, the, in the back. I was one of those guys with a beer up, just rocking out. Um, loving it. So, like, you know how it is. Like, in a band, you can play in front of 20,000 people and not be be nervous because you got your bros with you. Right. You know, like, your best friends and friends in the band and best friends in life are with you. So, like, you can face anything. And it's different when you're standing there by yourself. (laughs) I was super nervous. But it was an honor, you know? Hometown team. Um, I've always my you know all my family got to watch it on TV so it was kind of a big deal for the family and sure i hope i did, you know i don't think i did too terrible of a job i'm well, not really like i'm not a voice singer you know what i mean i'm just a punk singer of so course. we kind of we sound different people right. don't get that
0: exactly and and we you you know people are used to hearing our voices with like loud ass guitars and drums and stuff behind like right. that's that's what we do you know right. we're over top of that so to put our voices um you know the style of singing we do acapella um yeah for people that are there to watch a football game not necessarily there to see a band or music um it's yeah it's definitely um super different uh but my question i i how does it work exactly like obviously you get booked or whatever but you show up like obviously there's no sound check like how do you hear yourself how does it work like logistically on the day
1: it was a nightmare, man. Like it was way <laughs> different than I thought it was going to be Right. like, so I thought there was going to be like a, a, an in-ear pack, you know, a pack with some, with some buds. And, a, and, um, I, you know, well, first of all, there was no booking either. Um, they just reached out through, I think Facebook to my brother and, um, that's how it is in Jacksonville. Dude. Things are still a lot really low key and old school. Mm-hmm. So somebody from the team, um, probably was just hanging out at a, at a bar and ran into my brother. Cause we still hang out with all of our friends in our hometown. Like we never, you know, tried to be like, later guys, we're famous now. You know, like we still <laughs> yeah, hung so. out all the same places we did before we got signed. So sometimes people would like run into us that actually were affiliated with like, you know, cool other people, you know, networking by accident, essentially uh, accidental networking. And then, you know, he, the Jag- one of the Jaguars reps asked my brother, he asked me if I would do it. And I think I said no first, just because it freaked me out, just to think about it. Um, But then I wound up saying yes. So I didn't really have any information. We got there. Um, They brought us back into this back room, which was cool. Um, They had a jersey for me that they gave me, which I thought was really cool. And I still have it with my name name on the back. That was really cool. And then they had some catering. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to go out there. And uh, I mean, they were like ready to do it, man. They're like, you got it? You good to go? And I was like, "Uh, is there a room I can practice in real quick? Because I was so nervous. They're like, yeah, yeah, here's this empty room. So I go in there and I do a couple of a- acapella runs. And then they just explain the timing. The only thing they cared about was the timing. They're like, okay, here's the most important thing. Everything's gonna sound weird. You're not really gonna hear anything at all. And you're also <laughs> gonna you're going also gonna hear an echo that's really strong that's gonna come back about six seconds after your first note. Oh, so it's no. really important that you ignore that. And at first I was like, okay, that, that won't be that big of a deal. And then I think we, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember if we did a dry run or not. I don't think we did. I don't remember doing that, but um, it was a long time ago. I'm trying to be accurate, but either way I'm on the field and you know, they just basically, they just look at you and point at you and say, go, there's no cue, there's no click, there's no anything. And then you're supposed to count in your head and at a certain amount of seconds, jets were supposed to fly by. And that was the one thing they cared about the most. Like, okay, everybody gets this wrong. So when you get to like 39 seconds in your head while you're trying to you know remember all the lyrics and not look like a total dork and sing on key without anything holding you in pitch, you got to hold the note while the jets fly and then you can finish. Do you think you can do that? I was like, I had no idea what they were talking about. I was like, <laughs> sure, sure. Why not? So I didn't count. I didn't do anything, man. I just did my best. And, and then afterwards, like, you're the only one who did it right. You did great. You did great. And I'm like. I had no idea what you guys were talking about. I just literally held the note until I saw the Jets fly.
0: (laughs) I love that. That's amazing. Oh my God. Wow. That's, yeah, that's way nerve wracking. I, I, if anyone ever asks me, I think I'm just going to say no. (laughs) I don't want to go through that kind of stress. It was tough, man. I'm not going to lie. Another thing, you know, you've been pretty vocal about too is, you know, you talked about drinking a beer a little bit here. You talked about, you know, some other, you know, partying too much when you guys were younger, but, but you're sober now, you know, and I know you've had some issues with it and and you've been pretty vocal about it. So tell me about that process and, and just, you know, how it is now, you know, you say you're almost 40. I know you have a kid, you got another one on the way. Um, how's that process kind of been, you know?
1: Yeah. My brother actually, he's, um, he's going to have a baby in July. So, um, some people thought it was me because they said winter baby coming, but my brother's uh, last name is also Win- is winter. Okay. Got it. Got it. So, okay. Well, you're going to have gonna a nephew, a, uh,
0: a niece or nephew. Yeah. So.
1: Which is just as important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a short, quick, easy story on that one. Like, you know, when we got signed, we were 22 and then right away we got endorsed by Jägermeister and, <laughs> and you know how it goes. Like every venue is always good. When you're a band and you pull up and you've sold out a show, there's like three or four, 12 packs, like, you know, um, there's a bunch of bottles and stuff. And it's just always booze. And it's, it's something that you get used to and you have a couple drinks here and there. And, um, for the first couple of years, I just had like, like every other regular band guy, a couple drinks before the set, a couple drinks after the set. And then just somewhere along the line, somewhere, who knows when, I, I don't think I can really put my foot on it. I just started caring more about drinking than the show. And wow. that's not good. No. And then, you know, there was a couple of really bad performances where I'm just like tanked on stage, you know, YouTube kind of really helped me. Um, And then I would see like, you know, some people saying like, Oh man, he really sucked last night. And then a lot of times when people write that you'll go look yourself. I don't know if you do that, but I do that. And I sounded just fine. So I'm like, okay, whatever. He's a hater. That show was (laughs) awesome. Everybody had a good time. Who cares about that guy? But it started becoming more common to where like I would see somebody make a comment and I would click on the link and I would sound really bad. And I'd be like, oh, man, I didn't know I was that off. And it's because I drank a little more that night than usual. Right. Or, you know, I thought I had six beers, but really I was on, like, beer 12. And that sounds crazy to some people, but when you're at a venue from noon all the way in until 11 o'clock at night, it's not actually that hard to drink that much because you're completely bored all day long. Yeah, You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. a gradual slope. That's the short story, but I eventually just got to the point to where – You know, um, my wife, I'll just tell you the truth. She was like, Hey, look, you're just, you're just kind of like getting too crazy with it. Like when I, you know, when we first got together, it was fine. I knew you were in a band and the band guys drink a lot, but that's just part of the business. But now you're drinking like all the time. And that's, that's what happened to me. That doesn't happen to everybody. I'm not trying to scare the planet and say, Oh, you can't listen to my band if you're, unless you're sober, but I'm coming up on five years now of not drinking at all. And it's been the best decision I ever made mainly, honestly, just, just for being a better performer, it's made me right. a way, way better singer, and I just didn't realize personally how much it was affecting my live show, and when she helped me realize that, I nipped it in the butt. I mean, other than that, I still live life, man. I do everything normal people do who drink. I just don't do it drunk
0: <laughs> good, good for you, man. No, the thing you say about about not knowing whether you had six beers or twelve beers like and how you how you say that people will be like, "What is he talking about?" <laughs> but i I completely agree, and I always think about band. I always think about warp tour and like yeah. those days, man, like especially let's say you play early like you 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 get yeah. you get the eleven thirty or the noon slot, and then you're done and you feel good for the rest of the day, and you're sitting out in the sun with your friends with just unlimited bud lights um everywhere and I honestly like I I actually went to the I went to the doctor um you know after you know a tour or whatever I got a new doctor so it was just one of those like you know those things that you just uh, just just like a checkup like a uh, introduction so he's like yeah. oh hey so you know would you say you're you're pretty healthy and I'm like oh, yeah I guess so he's like okay well do you smoke and I said no he goes oh that's good he goes what about your eating habits um you know do you eat pretty well I'm like oh well I'm a vegetarian he goes oh that's great um What about drinking? Do you drink? I'm like, Yep. He's like (laughs) he's like, so uh how many drinks would you say you have in a week? And I'm like, Oh geez. Uh that's hard to answer. I don't know. (laughs) Fifty, and he yeah. and he like fell off his chair, you know. Yeah. And and uh, yeah. I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe it wasn't fifty. I don't know. Maybe I said forty, but I thought about it, and I was like, "Well, something like Warp Tour. You're sitting in the sun all day, drinking beers. Like it's really easy to put back ten or twelve without even thinking about right. it, you know."
1: And we don't have to clock in. You don't have to wear a name tag. You're not ruining anybody else's day. You just have another show tomorrow, you know. So it becomes easy to drink those 50 beers in a week.
0: I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. But that is, that is crazy. Well, congratulations, man, on, uh, on the sobriety. Congratulations on, on the new single punking it out. I love it. And all the other stuff you got going on the tour. Um, what else to tell the people before I let you go?
1: Um, just, I hope one day Silverstein will let red jumpsuit open up for him. Well, yeah. out there, dude. I'm just being super bold with it right now. I lo-
0: I love so- it. I love your boldness. No, oh, I mean we hung out. The kind of how this all happened is we we did a couple of those emo night shows together um, down in Texas, yeah. and yeah, we we hit it off. We were talking about how I mean it would make a hell of a lot of sense. So
1: yeah, man, it would. And I'll yeah, see well, you. you know, in, I'll, I'll see
0: you in um, in Anaheim too, because you guys are playing. We're playing the same venue, separate shows, but the same venue. I
1: know it's awesome. It's so crazy. We're actually like we're gonna be in the same town. Like. You know, like I said, man, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. You got to look. Some things are just not coincidence. We're in the same town three nights in a row. That's crazy. That's wild. So I'll be seeing you soon, sure, one way or the other.
0: All right, man. <laughs> well, I'll play the people the new track a long time ago in a galaxy called LA. Here it is on Lead Singer Syndrome. Thank you, Ronnie.
1: Thank you, buddy.
2: I remember when we met you, we died.
0: From the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus And yes, a fast one I really, really like that song And those shows that Ronnie was talking about How we were going to hang out And be in the same city three days in a row Well, that didn't happen Um, So I didn't see Ronnie And I hope Ronnie did okay Getting home and all that stuff Man, what a nightmare It's been out there For touring bands And Man, I hope this stuff Blows over soon So hey, you know Let's do Our part, each one of us, be good, practice our social distancing, don't hang out in the Walmart bread aisle, nine or ten of you together, that's bad, don't do that, because all I want to do is play music with my friends, and I hope I can do that soon. In the meantime, it'll be playing music on my own on the Silverstein Facebook, that again is on this Sunday, April 5th, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check it out. I will leave you with a tune. I'm going to break from tradition a little bit here. We heard the new Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Of course, you all know their hit, Face Down. It was in the intro. I'm going to play one of Ronnie's favorite bands. He talked about them here on the podcast. No use for a name. Rest in peace, Tony Sly. Here is International U-Day on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. See you next week.